I never really understood the power of music until after we did Dead and Gone, somebody messaged me, I believe on like Twitter or Facebook, and this is like 10 years ago. And they got the tattoo of Dead and Gone on them. On them. And I was like, why, why would you do that? You know, to me, I was like, why would you do something stupid like that? And she was like, no, like the song saved me from wanting to kill myself. My name is Linda Laurel, and I'm asking you to have the courage to listen with an open mind to all of our voices, because our voices matter. I want to take a moment to thank BMW of West Houston for sponsoring this episode of our Voices Matter podcast. BMW, of course, is known as the ultimate driving machine because of its precision and power. As someone who has driven a BMW for many years now, I can attest to that firsthand. But I think what's even more important, especially about this particular BMW dealership, is that it understands the power and the impact of giving back to its community. BMW of West Houston is known for its support of countless local charities, and that is important to us here at Our Voices Matter podcast. So if you choose to do business with BMW of West Houston, not only will you be getting the stellar first-class service that the dealership is known for, but you can also rest assured that you are doing business with a dealership that truly cares about and gives back to its community. Hey, everybody, it's Linda Laurel. Welcome to another episode of Our Voices Matter podcast. As I was preparing for today's episode, I started thinking to myself about the importance of music in my life. Certain songs will come to mind that will take me back to a certain time in my life where I was either feeling really excited or happy about something or maybe it was a song that was helping me get through a rough time. That's the power of music. My guest today is a Grammy-nominated music producer who works with some of the top industry leaders. We're talking Justin Timberlake, uh, Britney Spears, Chris Brown, Rihanna, uh, T.I., just the list goes on and on. I had the great fortune to meet him recently, and we connected and I said, man, I have got to have this man on my podcast. And I, I knew he was going to offer some very interesting perspectives um, on his life and where we are and the music industry and how it all connects together. And he did not disappoint. So here now is my conversation with Rob Knox. Rob Knox. What an honor and a pleasure to have you on Our Voices Matter podcast. Welcome. Thank you. The honor is mine, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, but if you say so. I'll, okay. You do. You do. All right. Well, you know, so we are obviously new friends, having met at the When the Music Stops Summit recently in San Francisco, which was all about mental health. And um, you were one of the panelists that I had the pleasure of uh, moderating that panel when we were talking about mental health in the music industry. Um, I guess before I'm going to, of course, I'm going to ask you to give me your backstory. But before I do that, I want to know why was it important for you to be at that summit talking about the importance of mental health? 
Um, well, first of all, one of my dear friends, Josh, obviously is the co-creator, I guess, behind this whole movement. Um, and I know, you know, me and Josh have had, you know, years of friendship and a lot of that, a lot of those years were based around, you know, the club environment, drinking, et cetera, et cetera, partying, having fun. Um, but obviously, like, I know where his life went and how it spiraled in a certain direction. So to see him come back, you know, to see him take all the knowledge and experience and all the, the heartache and, you know, the, the, the trauma he went through, went through to make something positive out of it. I had to, you know, personally, just as his friend, I had to be involved. But also, I feel like the, tra- the trajectory, such a weird word, of my life and where it's going, I feel it was kind of like a, it was such a perfect moment for me to finally say, you know what, like I've also, you know, nothing as crazy as what he's gone through, but it's relative, right? I feel like it was time for me to say, you know what, let me start speaking on, from my knowledge and my experience and the way I combat things and the way I work through things. So I just felt like it was just like perfect timing. I felt like it was just divine, you know, um, it was just important to me, you know, and I feel like there's just a lot of people that don't know how to deal with certain aspects of their life and their reality, you know? Um, and it, to me, I'm just a voice, you know, I just feel like I'm a voice of God and he wants me to share my experiences and my stories. And maybe, you know, as I said on the panel, if one person can get anything out of what I, whatever I said, then I'm happy about it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It was just important to me. It's just, it's an important issue and there's a lot of taboo around it. And I just want to break that, you know? And I, I commend you for that. And um, so you said, you know, you're, you're a voice and you have a voice. You are a Grammy-nominated producer. You work with A-list stars such as Justin Timberlake and Rihanna and T.I. and Sierra and a whole bunch of other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have a platform and you do have a voice. As it relates to... Um, mental health within the music industry itself. Um, do you think that the industry is ready to have that that kind of a deep conversation that would lead to a more, um, I guess, a more open airing of how people are thinking and what people are thinking and feeling? Because so much of of music that resonates with people is born of an artist's pain, you know. So so much of that. Is, is what gets into the music. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious about your, your thoughts about that. I mean, are they ready? Yeah, they, they should be ready. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you say the industry, the industry is, it's like a high school to me, right? And awesome. you remember in high school, there was like certain pods of groups, you know, you had like the athletes sitting over here and the hippie kids sitting over here and the cool kids and the, yeah, the <laughs> cool kids, the cheerleader girls, the pretty, you know, whatever it was, um, they're ready. It just, it's just about people that are respected from every pod or group. They need to bring awareness to it, you know, because there's a lot of younger people that don't really understand this because their whole focus is getting in the game and working and, you know, making money and collecting accolades so they're not really understanding. Their focus is just working and being noticed and making money and, you know, making a living. I feel like it's on the OGs, you know, the people that are above to say, hold on, we've been down this route. We know what's to come in this industry. We know how hard it could be. But just remember, you know, ABC, remember to do these things to help yourself. 
you know, so you can have a long career. You know, remember to surround yourself by good people and surround yourself by the people you aspire to be like, you know, not just professionally in the career, but as people, you know, like I, I based a lot of the relationships I have in the music industry on who they are as people. I can't, it's hard for me to create music with people I don't even respect. You know, no matter how good or talented they are or what they could do for my career, it won't really go that far unless I actually respect them as people. Like, I look at them as like, man, you know what? Like, you are an inspiration to me to live in this way. Yes, the career that you have, the discography, the resume, but also, like, how are you behind the scenes? How are you? I mean, we are behind the scenes technically all the time, just stuck in a studio. But how are you with your family? How are you with your friends? How do you deal with people beneath you, you know? Um, so the industry is definitely ready. It just depends on what pod you're in and who's running that pod mm. and, and how are they giving you this information? You know, Got so it. they're ready. Yeah. The industry as a whole, I mean, I feel like every industry should be ready. Athletes, whatever it is. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of focus on mental health right now. And obviously, um, you know, we're, we, the collective, we, the world is going through so much right now. But before we, we start to peel back some of that, I want a little more about your backstory. Tell our audience where you grew up, what, you know, what, what you're all about and how you ended up being, you know, such a badass producer, producing all these, <laughs> all these great artists. Um, <clears throat> my story is pretty interesting. Um, my whole family, so I'm 100% Egyptian. Uh, my family was, I was, I was born in Egypt. Um, I was conceived here. My parents were living here at the time with my older brother. They lived in, obviously my mom and my father and everyone, they grew up in Egypt. They left Egypt, you know, a lot. So I'm a, I'm a part of a small minority. I'm a Coptic Orthodox Christian, right? And Coptic, and if you Google it, I can show you things later. So Coptic Orthodox Christian. So the word Coptic, let me just rewind. Uh, the root word is Ipti. You know, so even if you look at the word Ipti, it kind of looks like Egypt minus the G, right? So Coptic Egyptians, we are the indigenous Egyptians. We are the original Egyptians of the land. Obviously, you got the Ottoman Empire came and took over and converted the land to Islam and all this stuff. And they either killed you or made you pay a tax or blah, blah, blah. You know, and there was still persecution till this day. Like, it's really wild out there. But a lot of Coptic Egyptians moved either to America, to Canada, to Australia, to London, to wherever. There's a big group here in LA. There's a big group in LA, New Jersey, New York, you know, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so my mom ended up going to visit while she was pregnant with me. They were teetering about maybe staying in Egypt, but they had me and ultimately they came back to America when I was just four weeks old. So I pretty much grew up in LA since I was four, four weeks. Um, I grew up in a all Egyptian household, spoke Arabic my whole life, you know, went to church every Sunday, every holiday, every whatever, you know, whatever, whatever was going on in church. Um, I grew up playing football, you know, so football was like my first love, but I also loved music. I never played in a band. I never took any lessons, um, but I remember playing the violin in elementary school, um, in middle school. I became a huge Metallica fan which I still am, which is, no one really knows. So I remember begging my mom to buy me this like cheap, busted, like $40, $50 guitar from a pawn shop. <laughs> and I would teach myself how to play Metallica songs. Like I would play the tape or the CD and rewind it and listen to every note and try to find it. So it trained my ear pretty well. Mm. Um, so 
growing up in an Egyptian household, being around all my friends and the majority of my friends were black. So obviously, you know, listen to every hip hop song, every artist, you know, R&B, hip hop, the whole, you know, the Tupac, the EZ's, the NWA's, the Dr. Dre's, all that stuff. So between that and then loving heavy metal, like Metallica, Pantera, White Zombie, Suicidal Tendencies, all these groups mixed with my Egyptian side, it just created this like gumbo pot of influence musically, right? Um, high school, continue playing football. It was like serious to me. The high school I went to was really good at football. My dream was to play in the NFL and all that and go to USC to play there for college. That didn't pan out, but I did end up getting a football scholarship to a school in West Virginia. Um, around the same time, um, so I went to West Virginia and I hated it so much because being <laughs> from LA and moving to West Virginia is like a complete culture shock. So my plan was to come back home and either play football at a school out here in California. And then the other idea was quit everything and just do music. I didn't know anything about production. I didn't even know how to turn the equipment on. I didn't even know what equipment to buy. A friend of mine from high school was, you know, he kind of understood the production process. So he told me what to buy. Um, I went to Sam Ash Music and Guitar Center and bought a couple pieces of equipment, set up in my mom's basement. He came over and taught me how to make a beat, literally like an hour. And it was so easy to me. But <clears throat> let me rewind. The reason why I fully pushed into it. So uh, there was a record that Jay-Z came out with called Big Pimpin', which you might remember. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the sample in the beat is a classic Egyptian song by an artist named uh, Abdel Halim Hafiz. And this is a song, it's from like the 50s or the 60s. But mind you, this is a song, an artist that my mom would play in the house every Friday as she's cleaning the house or cooking or whatever. So as you probably grew up listening to, you know, whoever, Aretha Franklin, Donnie Hathaway, you know, Stevie Wonder, I didn't even know who these people were, but I knew who this person was because this is what my parents listened to, you know? Um, so the sample and the beat right away, I was like, wait a minute. I know this song. I know. I didn't even know what sampling what was. was. What was the beat? Tell it. Give us the beat. Big Pimpin? Yeah. Give us the beat. You want me to try <laughs> to play it on my computer? Yeah. Well, I, okay. We'll do that later. I, okay. I didn't know if you could just kind of like give us the beat. Oh, I'm, no, no. You're not about to trap me to do that. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. You're not that slick. Okay. <laughs> All right, never mind. Sorry, go ahead. So I, I know people know this record. It was a huge song. It still is to this day. It's a classic. Yeah. So I remember listening to it and I asked my mom, I was like, mom, don't you know this song? And she's like, yeah, she, she right away told me. So right away I was intrigued. I was like, yo, how did whoever made this beat, how they incorporate this song from this time frame in this country and make it a Jay-Z song? And I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. He's my favorite rapper of all time. So I started doing my research and I discovered it was a guy named Timbaland that produced it. So I went down that rabbit hole and this is really before the internet was like that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to all the CD stores, I'm, you know, reading through things and I discovered a bunch of other songs that he produced using old classic Egyptian records on Aaliyah, on Missy Elliott, on Petey Pablo. So I was just stuck at that point. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like this, it just resonated with me so much. So that's when I, was like, you know what, let me just try this music thing out. I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. And, you know, in our culture, it's pretty much you go to school, you get a degree, you raise a family. You know, you're either a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer. I mean, my brother's an aeronautical engineer. You know, he designs planes and jets, right? Wow. Like, you know how there's Wi-Fi wi on airplanes? Yeah. 
he designed the system for that to even work. No way. Yeah, so he's like a genius. You know, my my cousin my cousin was a mechanical engineer, so he worked for Toyota for Toyota for like twenty years. He helped design a lot of the Lexuses and Toyotas that you see now. You know, my other cousin's an attorney. My other cousin's a doctor. So just a family, whole family. family of slackers, right? Basically, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. I'm, I am the black sheep. And so when you when you go home and say, uh, I think I want to be a music producer. Yes, it wasn't easy. Did not go over very well. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Luckily, I am very stubborn. And when I know something and I feel something, I go with it. I don't really go with what the community says. Or, you know, like I, I literally have people from my own church tell me, and this is a quote, we're Egyptian. We're not born or designed to do something like this. You need to go back to school and get a degree and get a job. My response was, and I said this at the panel, we are Egyptian. We built pyramids and things like this and science and math. So I'm pretty sure I can create a career for myself making some music. It's not that big of a deal, you know? And then, um, yeah, it, it was hard going through that because the family doesn't understand. They have, you know, a music producer in Egypt is not what it is here. It's a whole different world out there. So they don't understand the ways of America and the opportunity that we have here, you know? And the whole point is like, you brought us to America to have a better opportunity. Let me take advantage of that opportunity. Let me embrace it. Let me embrace it. Let me take it. Let me take it and run with it and see. You know, if I fail, I fail. But let me try. You know, so I kept at it. I ended up dropping out of school, which, you know, I don't recommend. But it just wasn't for me. You know, there was nothing about school that was telling me I was going to use it for something in my life. You know, and that's just me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just my path. Um, So... Yeah, learned how to make music. I, of course, had regular jobs just to, like, you know, create some kind of income so I could pay whatever bills I had, haircuts, you know, gas, food, blah, blah, blah. Um, I kept at it. And eventually I signed with a production company in 2005. They were a really well-established, well-known production company called The Underdogs. And uh, that's where I started working with all the major artists, you know, the Britney Spears, the Chris Browns, the Marcus Houstons. Um, and then that led me to meeting Justin. You know, we met in 2008. Um, we started, we worked for the first day ever. And we did the song Dead and Gone with T.I. and him and, you know, became multi-Grammy nominated. That was your first day? Grammy nominated. Yeah. Day number one. That was one. your first day working with him? Yeah, wow. Yeah. We did Dead and Gone. Huh. You know, and then we did a bunch of other things. And obviously I still work with him till this day. And he's like a really close friend of mine. But through that you know, Rihanna, like everything else, you know, long story short, but um, that was it. But it took a lot of mental strength and stubbornness mm. to fight through all that. Cause I didn't have the, I mean, my, my friends, my close friends that I grew up with and, you know, they pushed me cause they knew what, what I was and they recognized the talent and the ability, but everyone else, like they didn't see it, you know? Um, so it was just hard. It was, it was hard battling through that and pushing you know, trying to believe in yourself, but then hearing these words, you know, or these thoughts or the way people look at you, you know, but still believing fully in yourself and investing in yourself and pushing through. Um, it's such an important lesson for for all of us, and especially for young people that are aspiring to do whatever it is they want to do. Um, and clearly you you followed your passion. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a big reason why you are successful. Because, you know, you can you can go get a job and you can do the, the traditional things, but then you might find yourself 
one day saying, I'm not happy. This is really not what I want to do. Why, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people have, have had that sort of aha moment, that realization over the last year and a half with the pandemic, you know, after they were forcibly removed from whatever it is they were doing. So mm-hmm. many of them now don't want to go back because they're not passionate about whatever it is that they're doing. So I think, you know, when you find that passion, it makes it that much it makes it that much easier to overcome the hurdles when they inevitably come your way because you know right. they're going to, right? right? You know they're going to. Right. So how are you how are you using um, all of those lessons now as you're as you continue to to build your career and um, and just deal with life, you know, the stuff that's going on in the world? Um, though, to be honest, I don't use much of it. The only thing I try to build on from what I was, because I went through a period where, you know, I fully was trapped in a bad place, you know, and this was after the, the success came because I, I didn't have that many responsibilities. My responsibilities were continue to work and just have fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me to this. How old were you when the success started to come? Uh, I mean, it's hard to measure what success means, but like mm-hmm. when I first started making real money, mm-hmm. I was 28, 29. Okay. You know, I mean, I started when I was 21, 22, so it wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. Between, you know, like I, I got there relatively quickly and this is not, you know, I never played in a band. I never learned anything. Like I just taught myself how to make music, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's relatively fast to go from, just learning how to make your first beat to working with, you know, a, a Britney Spears or Chris Brown or Justin Timberlake, you know? Right. Um, so you said after that period, you went through a, a period where it was somewhat dark and difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, can you thing, share what that, what that was? Yeah. I mean, you, in this music industry, you go through waves, you go through seasons, you know, and every producer, every songwriter, every artist goes through this. It's just inevitable. You will go through success and then you're going to hit a dry season. You know, everything you feel like you're creating isn't good. People aren't asking for you. They're not really checking for your music. They're not buying your stuff. They're not whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that starts to mentally weigh on you heavy, you know, it's like then this is where the doubts come in. Like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe the people were right. Maybe I wasn't born to do this. You know, all these things really start to just add onto your brain and your, you know, your emotions because we create from the heart, you know? So imagine creating from the heart and every time you create something you think is great, someone says, no, I don't like it. Right. It, it, it can affect you if you let it, you know? It can be devastating. It, it is, you know, but... I started, once I started awakening from this, right, and like taking a step back, what I started remembering was how I used to be before the success was there, right? Right before the success was there. And I realized what got me to the success, right, was not caring, not worried about the outcome, you know, Mm. not giving a crap about what this person thinks or what that person thinks. Like, I just had fun and I was just in the moment. Yep. You know, and there's a story that I relive in my mind. Um, so when I was working, the first day I worked with Justin, we were with T.I. and we did the song. Um, I, you know, I was broke as hell. You know, I had a car that was overheating on me every day. 
You know, I had no money for nothing. I was honestly there, obviously working with Justin and T, I was big, but I was there because it was a food budget. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like we're at the studio, you can order whatever you want, they go get it for you. I was like, oh, this is cool. There's a food budget, I'm there, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember after we did the song, you know, the label people are there, the management's there, everyone's going crazy, like, yo, this is going to be a huge record, Grammy nominated. And I'm in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. And at the end of the session, Justin walked up to me and he was like, yo, welcome to Hitsuri. And I was like, what is Hitsuri? He was like, we made a hit and it's going to be history. And I was like, all right, bro, cool. I don't know. Like, hopefully the song makes the album. I don't know. Like, I'm just here for the food budget and maybe a check for this record that we did. I didn't know. And I did not care. You know, I was just so happy to be there. And I was just so thrilled to be around these people. And my talent got to show, you know, it was just exciting. You know, it wasn't, I never thought about Grammys. I never thought about money. I never thought about the publishing checks I was about to receive. Like, I didn't think about any of this stuff. I was just so excited. And I got back in my little car that was overheating on me every day. And I was just thrilled. And that, to me, was a symbol of success. You get to where you want to get to without worrying about the outcome. You just live in that moment. Yes, yes, yes. You live in that moment. You enjoy it, you know, with a smile on your face, no matter my, my surrounding was chaos, you know, but internally I was just a sitting duck. I was just sitting there happy, you know? And, um, as I was going later on in my life, as I was going through all the issues, I always try to go back to that moment. Like I need to go back to that younger Rob where he didn't care about the outcome. Just enjoy what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about making music. I love it. It thrills me. You know, every time I create something amazing, it makes me feel so good inside, you know? And, that will lead to things, you know, it's like that, like what I've been learning is um, when you surrender, that's actually when you have the most control, you know, and that's the thing I tell myself all the time, you know, surrender, that's where the control is. You know, when you're trying to control, you're going to be forced to surrender because you have, you have no control. You know, I'm only in control of how I act and how I feel, you know? So um, that was probably the only thing I really, took from my past to now. Everything else is like, whatever, it's just fluff. Well, that only thing that you took is the thing. It is, it is the thing. Mm -hmm. It is, you just so beautifully described what it means to live in the moment and to not have any attachment to outcome, Mm -hmm. but to just be and do and enjoy and it's going to be what it's going to be. And I'll tell you what, in this, in this day, at this time, with so many crises and catastrophes that we are all faced with 24-7, that is such an important um, reminder. And I know it's what I needed to hear, for sure. I definitely needed to hear what you just said, that, you know, the control is in the surrender, because it's, you know, when things seem so out of control, all we want to do is to bring it back in so we, mm-hmm. so we can gain control of it. Mm-hmm. But the way to do that is to just let it go and to mm-hmm. just surrender. But it's sometimes it is so hard to do that. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to do that. Yeah, because it, it requires you stripping your ego. Yes. Because your ego is what's yes. trying to control everything. Right. Your ego is what's trying to make everything right and good and better and you know whatever it is that's that's your ego you know when you're trying to control the outcome of something 
That is literally your ego. When you tell the ego, hey man, I don't have control over this no more. Like it's not in my control. Whatever you believe in, the universe, God, Buddha, like it doesn't matter. They all teach the same thing from Jesus to Buddha, to Buddhism, to, to just, you know, thinking about how the universe works. If you just believe in that or sci even science, if you just believe in the science of everything, when you let go, you're allowing things to flow, you know? And I know it's super cliche, but it is so true. You know, I mean, Bruce Lee has talked about this. Like all these great people have spoken about this. They surrender. They, all they can do is do the work that's in your control. You could show up, you can put in the effort, you know, all these good things and you can enjoy it. That's literally all in your control. Whatever happens after that, so it's the ego, you know? And, and that was the moment that I had with myself. It was like, oh, it's like your ego, it's you. You are the issue, you are what's blocking this. You're blocking it because you're, you have such a tight grip on what the outcome needs to be. You're not even allowing it to breathe, to develop, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's so, what I remember a few years ago I, telling myself when I was going through a, a period where I was just wanting to control and I was afraid to surrender. Finally, I just said, you know what? You're blocking your blessings, Linda. Just stop it. Just stop. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, you know, that when you try to hold on, you are blocking your blessings. Mm -hmm. You can't, they, they can't come to you. You can't receive them. Because you are literally blocking them by trying to hold on and control. Mm -hmm. so, that, so I want to talk about another aspect of this, um, which is a central theme of the podcast, as you know, which is um, overcoming times in your life when you felt like the other. And I can only imagine how many stories you must have, um, having grown up as a, a, a Coptic <laughs> Egyptian, mm -hmm. a Coptic Christian Egyptian mm -hmm. in the United States. Um, so just, is there any particular story that stands out in your mind where you were made to feel less than, and how did that make you feel? How did you deal with it? And what did you learn from it? Um, honestly, uh, I always felt like me being different was cool. I don't know. I think you I had like a, that way. You, you never, you never internalized that other label, no, even if felt, somebody tried to put it on you. No, I felt blessed. I was like, how, I mean, how can you even look at me weird? Like my ancestors are the original Christians on earth. Like my ancestors built pyramids. Like I, I never, I always had, not entitled, but I always had like a, like a, I always felt like super proudful of like that, you know, like, what can you say to me, man? Like, you know, no one ever, I never got bullied about that. A, because um, the way I look is very vague. No one can tell what I am, right? So, like, people either thought I was mixed, <clears throat> black and white, or anytime I travel to New York, people think I'm Dominican, Puerto Rican. People have no idea what I am, first of all. And this is just me personally. Like, no one ever had anything to say because they had no idea what I am. But even if they felt something, like, I never cared, to be honest. I don't know. I, I never had that issue for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I never, it just never bothered me. Like, if people, I don't know. I just had a weird perspective of that. It, it just yeah, never. I love it. Me. It's a healthy perspective. Yeah. It's, it's a healthy perspective. Yeah. And I, mean, I wasn't always confident in myself. I'll say that. Not, you know, I'm confident, but not always. You know, I've definitely had my insecurities, but they're insecurities that I imposed on myself. It wasn't because like people said something, mm -hmm. you know, or looked at me in a certain way. It was never that. Yeah. 
So as we're as we're doing this interview right now, um, you know, the whole Afghanistan situation continues to unfold. And uh, before we started um, recording, you said you have a couple of friends that are from Afghanistan. And I know, like all of us, you've been following things very closely. So um, from a from a human point of view um, and, and knowing people from the region, what are what are your thoughts right now about how we um, I don't even know how to frame the question about how we continue to move forward in a positive way um, without the 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 divisions and the 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 vitriol and the chaos and uh, just what are what are you thinking about kind of where we are and and where we're headed? Um, I just my message to a couple of my friends was what are the solutions, right? Like, how do you, how do we, how do we help move your people forward? You know, and instead of spreading, whether it's misinformation or this political party did this or this political party did that or that president, whatever it is, is that really going to help the, the situation? You know, like, does it raise true awareness on solutions? You know, a lot of people feel like raising awareness is like, let's point out who's to blame. It's like, okay, cool one of these presidents or this government is to blame. Okay, now what? You see what I'm yeah. saying? Like, here's, here's the issue. Okay, cool. We're aware of who is to blame. Now what? What are we doing now to help these people move forward? You know, um, it's definitely not positivity because we're not spreading any of that or love. We're not doing that. And I know positivity and love is not going to get these people out. I understand this, but it is just the train of thought behind the positivity and the light, you know, like what is the next motion? Like, is there somewhere we could donate? Is there a charity that we can help with or, you know, whatever it is. Um, let's just, re- let's just fall back on the, the blame game. Cause it's just not doing nothing. It's just making people more upset and around people more, you know, even more than what they are now. You know, um, I'm not obviously like a political expert. <clears throat> I don't know how this stuff fully works cause I'm so invested in other things. You know, but obviously I'm aware of it. But the one thing I do know is it's synonymous in life, right? <clears throat> if you have a personal issue in your life, whether it be your career, your relationship, whatever it is. I mean, we've all been in relationships, whether it be boyfriend, girlfriend, fiancés, husband, wives, whatever it is. When there's an issue, have you ever succeeded getting through this issue by blaming another person? And you're married. And pointing the finger at your husband has probably never gotten you through an issue. Nope. You know, it's but created, what, more, created more issues. <laughs> right. You know, obviously, this is a way smaller thing than what's going on in Afghanistan, but it's the same principles, the same concept. You know, the way you get through the issue is okay, well, now we're aware of what's going on. Let's figure out how to move through it in the best way we can, you know? So that's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah. When you look at at uh, what's going on in the world from the standpoint of um, an artist who has the ability to reflect the human condition through your art, what is there? Are you having any of those thoughts at all? Or I know I know you you've been working with 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 Justin for the last couple of years, um, if I remember correctly, on some new music that is coming soon. Is it? Who knows? 
Who still, knows? We're all still working. Yeah, we don't know. Okay. Only he knows. <laughs> only, only he knows. Only mm-hmm. Justin knows for sure. Okay. Yep. So, but I guess my, my question is, how do you, how do you go about, or, or do you go about trying to incorporate your, your view of the world as you're going about making, making music? Honestly, um, it's weird because I view us, right, creators, people that make music, we're entertainers, essentially, right? I'm not on a stage dancing and singing, but I am an entertainer because I'm providing music to entertain people, too. You know, whether they're in a car, they're in the gym. Um, What we're doing, it's not, we're not creating a cure for cancer. We're not helping Afghan refugees, you know, escape the country. We're not, our job isn't that serious, right? In one way. What we are, we are an escape for those few minutes, those, you know, that half an hour while you're listening, that hour while you're watching someone perform. We're an escape. You know, we're, 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 we're people that can allow you to understand that we all go through things, you know? And if this song or this beat or these lyrics, if it allows you to either escape or to deal with your issues head on, and it makes you feel an emotion, if we, if we do that, that's pretty much what our job wants us to do. We're not here to change the world. We're just here to either spark some fun, some lightheartedness, maybe a cry, you know, maybe some motivation, whatever the music is telling you to do. That's really all our job is. It's not that serious. Like what, like, what we do, we are not brain surgeons. We don't do anything that crazy. You know, I don't respect us as the way I respect someone that's like creating a vaccine or creating a cure for something or, you know, fixing a broken leg. Like we're, we're not that serious. You know, I don't take my job that I do take it serious in the sense of like, if it helps someone mentally, you know, then cool. Yeah. Like we, we did our job. That's pretty well, much all we I, I get it. I hear what you're saying, but but I, I, I give your industry a lot of credit for um, connecting us as humans. Yeah. You know, you, music, art is a connector. And you, you, people can gather and they might not speak the same language. They might not look the way the same way. They might not pray to the same deity. But they might listen to that beat or that music mm-hmm. or that song and feel the same sense of joy. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that's the magic for me. Yeah. That is the magic for me about what, what you creators bring to the world. And yes, we need the vaccines and we need the brain surgeons and we need the, the engineers and the scientists and all of that, but we also need the human connection. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're part of the chain. Yeah. You know, we're a part of the ecosystem. We all need each other. That's the whole point. You know, I feel like our role is not as significant, but it's kind of the glue. Mm. If that makes sense. You know, we're not the huge building blocks or the pieces or whatever, but we kind of keep everybody intact, kind of like an athlete, you know, like, like what the NBA did last year during the bubble, you know, during the pandemic was amazing. Like, yeah, yeah they could have went without basketball for a year, but really like the people needed it. You know, they just needed a sense, some kind of normalcy, 
something to root on for, you know, their, their own team or to have the, the LeBron James debate on who's the best and who's not, you know, like all these things, it takes us away from everything else for that hour, that two hours, that moment, that discussion with your friends, that yeah. debate, that's all it is. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't really, it doesn't change your life in any kind of way. You know, if, if anything, it just kind of helps you, you know, feel better. <laughs> feel better, hit, hit the restart button, whatever it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. I remember one time, um, I never really understood the power of music until after we did Dead and Gone, somebody messaged me, I believe on like Twitter or Facebook, or something. this is like 10 years ago, and they got the tattoo of Dead and Gone on them. On them. And I was like, why, why would you do that? You know, to me, I was like, why would you do something stupid like that? And she was like, no, like the song saved me from wanting to kill myself. And that was like the first time I've ever seen that or heard of it. Anything I, anything I had um, a small role in had that kind of, of an impact on somebody. It, it, it was just shocking. And I was just like, why? You know, I was, I didn't understand. It was just like a whole new world to me. And the response was like the words and the music and, and just everything in the orchestration. Like it made me understand that there's better days ahead, you know? And that like, if, someone like T.I. and Justin Timberlake can evoke that emotion, then surely little old me can, you know, see the same light as well. And that, it just, it stuck with me forever. You know, it mm -hmm. stuck with me. So I do understand our power, you know, but I also understand the humility we need to have in it too, you know? Uh, you're so balanced. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Gosh, you are so balance. balanced. Yeah. Balance. Balance, is, balance is key. Yeah. So what, what's your, what are your plans for your future? What, what are you aspiring to do with this amazing career that you've created for yourself and all the artists that you're working with? What do you want to do? What's your pie in the sky? Or are you already doing it? I mean, I'm kind of already doing it. Obviously, you know, every, I'm competitive too with myself. And, um, you know, I just want to grow my business. You know, I want to, I want to be a better producer than I was yesterday. You know, I want to be musically better. I want to have more knowledge on what I'm doing. I want to be a go-to producer. You know, obviously financial, financially, you want to grow your business, you know, just like anybody else, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but that's a process and I'm in the middle of the process and I'm just enjoying it and I'm not even thinking of it. You know, obviously I am. Because you're in the moment. <laughs> I'm just here and I'm pushing every day and I create every day and you know, um, but besides that, I'm kind of doing that right now, being even being on this podcast. Like, I feel like now and I said before, like, I want to start doing things like this even more. You know, um, I feel like I'm not the greatest speaker in the world, but I feel like sometimes I have a couple nuggets that help people. Oh, I just want to be able to, more than a couple. I'm here to tell you <laughs> more, more than a couple. And you, right, well, that makes you, feel better. you are so I mean, uh, it, you, you speak in, in good sound bites, and the journalist in me can say that for sure. <laughs> there are any number of excellent sound bites that, that will come out of this that I can use to promote the podcast. Hello. Um, but yeah, no, you, you, uh, you speak from the heart um, and you have, you have clarity. You seem to have clarity about um, what's important and what's not. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's a gift. You know, and it's, some, it's something that clearly you you have worked at. And, and yes, <laughs> work. I've I've worked at it. Um, I've worked hard at removing myself 
from things that would, you know, uh, block my brain from seeing things. You know, I remove myself from certain people. Um, and I'm honestly just surrounded by like great individuals, my group of friends, man, like they're so, and they're all professionals at what they do. You know, they're all at the top of what they do in their careers. Um, and they're all clear and we have these discussions, you know, it's funny, me and my best friend, uh, he's a 16 year NFL veteran. He plays for the Green Bay Packers. His name is Mercedes Lewis. You know, we'll go to like a really cool restaurant lounge and, you know, we're, having a cool dinner or whatever, a couple of drinks and, you know, what you would think about a couple of guys would talk about, like, we don't have these discussions. Our discussions are like how to break habits, how to create better habits, work ethic, investments, evolution, what books to read. You know, I've seen this video on Dr. Joe Dispenza. Like we have these like weird discussions in the middle of like this super trendy, popular, like Hollywood restaurant, you know, and I was telling like, this is why we are evolving. It's because like, this is literally what we, are doing now with our lives. We're surrounding ourselves in the cycle of just evolution and growth, you know, and every day, you know, we'll, we all text each other. There's a couple group chats. It's just me and him individually. Like, you know, what are we doing to be great today? You know, wake up, be your best today. Like it's, I'm just surrounded by that now. You know, I worked hard at being surrounded by that because I wasn't always surrounded by that. You know, I had to start eliminating myself first, you know, reducing and then adding, Mm -hmm. do it you know and what I started realizing was when you start um when you start understanding the power of your energy right whether it's bad or good you know you start realizing that your energy is literally attracting whatever it is that you feel and think all day Mm -hmm. you know And, and that was the hardest thing was like trying to get my frequency my energy to a certain place to start attracting these people And now every time I meet somebody, whether it's someone at the gym, you know, whoever it is, they start saying these little words that make me be like, oh, we were supposed to meet. They start talking about frequencies and habits and, you know, uh, neurological pathways and like all these like weird little things. And I'm like, see, we were supposed to meet for a reason. Exactly. You know, and I'm not even like shocked by it no more, but it definitely took work. You know, Um, I'm proud of it, though, but I'm, you know, I'm nowhere near where I got to be, but. You more should. at the same time. Well, I, I believe you and I met for a reason. And yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. and I think and hope that this conversation is just the beginning of of a, a long friendship and collaboration to do just to make make the world a better place. Right. I'm here, I'm here for it. I already told you. <laughs> you know, back at you, my friend. This yeah. was so much fun. Thank you so much, Rob. Really, really appreciate your your insight and your passion and and just all the all the gems that you dropped here today. Just some great life lessons, especially for the young folks out there listening and trying to figure out how to how to move forward with their with their lives and aspire to you know be who they were meant to be. Yep, you just gotta uh, be who you're meant to be and be the greatest version of yourself every single day. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. We will, of course, continue to keep you updated on everything that Rob is doing. And we'll be sure and let you know when that JT music is about to come out, whenever Justin is ready, as Rob says. Thanks so much, everybody, for giving Rob permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. You know what to do if you haven't already subscribed to the pod- to the podcast, please do like, subscribe, share, and um, and then join us next time. We'll see you then. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. There's a special offer for members of the Our Voices Matter podcast community. Just click the link in the show notes, bmwwest.com.